Thanks for joining us. I'm Gemma Sampson. I'm an Australian advanced sports dietitian and I'm based in Girona and I aim to inspire people to move more, to eat more mindfully and to fuel their training. And today I'm talking with Dr. Nikki Kay, who's an exercise endocrinologist, particularly about low energy availability in both male and female athletes. So thank you for joining me today. Listen, thanks for the um, invitation. And I didn't realise you were in Girona, by the way. I'm oh really? Envious. I'm very envious already. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually been here for this is going on my fourth year now. So been ah, here I've been there once. Um, really lovely place for, of course, cycling. Um, and I got dropped off by that lake, Bagnoles Lake. Oh yes, yeah. Um, while the others in my family, the stronger cyclists, they went up that mountain, whatever that one is. Oh yeah, Rokokoba. Yeah. Right, they went <laughs> I avoid there. that one. I don't like that one. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Anyway, they, they went up there, and I had a little swim in the lake. Uh, but it's lovely. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's cool. That's a nice little touch point. So, um, so what is a sports and or an exercise endocrinologist? And so, what kind of people do you work with? Well, the reason why I said exercise is because um, I want that to en encompass anybody who's doing exercise. So it could be that um, they are an athlete in a particular sport, you know, whether that's uh, triathlon, cycling, swimming, I mean, the list goes on. Or, uh, and uh, I also see a lot of dancers, uh, either dancers in training or professional dancers. Um, and exercisers, you know, uh, who are just doing it uh, recreationally, not necessarily for competition. Um, that's the sort of level I do my cycling <laughs> at. Um, but, you know, so anyone that is doing exercise, covering any of those, what, however, seriously or not seriously or whatever, I, that's, those are the people I'm working with. So in other words, a big spectrum. Um, uh, and so that's the exercise bit of the thing. Um, endocrinology, that's, of course, the study of hormones. So um, I've had lots of experience, because uh, I'm quite old now, uh, in uh, sort of general endocrinology, you know, working in many, many hospitals over the years and getting lots of, uh, you know, clinical experience in what happens in, in hormone disorders. But then uh, the hormones are so, so essential uh, when you're doing exercise, because those drive your adaptive changes. And this, unfortunately, in some sense, situations has led to athletes cheating, doping with hormones. I was involved in a study many years ago to try and develop an anti-doping test for growth hormone. Uh, but also the other thing is when your hormones, well, how can I put it, when they don't quite work for you, uh, that's the other thing we're going to, of course, discuss if there is some, some behaviours are a little bit out of kilter. So anything to do with hormones and with a particular focus on people who are doing exercise, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So like, I know that I've referred people to see you who have, um, so particularly, so starting with women, um, women who, female athletes, amateur and elite, who have, um, the, usually the key driving factor is not having had a period for a number of years. Mm. And so if I, if say someone has been referred to see someone like yourself, what, what kind of tests do you do or what are you looking for when you're seeing them? Well, um, in the first instance, um, you know, just going through the, the history, the clinical history, that's already going to give you a lot of clues. Um, because after all, a woman 
I think maybe we should go back even a step further, shouldn't we, Gemma, and say that, you know, for a woman to have regular uh, menstrual cycles, regular periods, that's normal, normal physiology, okay? Um, you know, from the age of whatever, 12, up to the age of menopause, 51, 50, something like that. So if those periods stop for anything more than, well, six months or more, and certainly uh, I would frankly be wanting to see someone actually after three months, you know, there could be a, an underlying medical cause. So there could be the, the sort of endocrine conditions I was, I, I, you know, was dealing with day to day in the NHS, you know, there could be certain medical conditions, something that's, uh, you know, needs correcting from that point of view. But the other thing from the clinical history is the sort of people that we see a lot, they are the exercisers, the athletes, the dancers. And so it could be that actually their hormones basically their periods have stopped if they're a female because they haven't got the right balance of their behaviors in terms of their ex their training load and their nutrition and their recovery so that's basically what i'm going to be asking <laughs> before we do any tests it's like let's just talk about what's been going on and already you're going to get a lot of clues by the time you've gone discuss what they're doing and already you'll have you know, as you would, that already the idea in your mind that actually there's something going on here, there's a really high training load, not enough nutrition going on. And so at that point, then yes, I would run the blood tests to be to confirm my clinical suspicion that yes, that I think this is an imbalance in behaviors. Um, but also, it's also partly just to be absolutely certain, there isn't something you know, uh, medical, medical going on that could explain why their periods have stopped. So there are two uh, purposes for the blood tests because, uh, you know, periods switching off for uh, behavioural reasons, functional, hypothalamic amenorrhea, as, we're going, as we call it, um, that's a diagnosis of exclusion. So uh, the blood tests are helpful in that respect. And also it gives you an idea of how, you know, exactly where the hormones are. Like if they're really low, 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 then you know, okay, fine. This is going to really take some effort or some, some really guidance to overcome this. Or if actually they've just dipped out a little bit, then, you know, then you've got more of a sort of a time scale uh, or an idea of how you're going to help um, yeah. reboot, reboot the hormones. Well, that's, that's really interesting to know, actually, because, yeah, I've worked with some women who we've managed to make very quite quite small changes to their diet particularly i found it's the training through the food in the training that helps um, make the big difference and with some of them it's been only small little changes that has helped them to regain their period but so you're saying if someone if a woman's if her hormone levels are sort of like rock bottom Mm -hmm. then it probably is going to take a lot longer to yes yes but you're right you're I think that's a very good point you make there Gemma that I've also had those sorts of people who literally just weren't getting the timing right of the fueling around their training yeah. and just the simple thing of having a banana before they went out training then literally the next week I got a call or I got an email to say, oh, my period started again. And who would have thought the, thing with the humble banana, you know? So, but obviously it's not always that simple, if only it were. Sometimes there are, it is the finer detail of the timing. Yeah. Although sometimes actually, if there's more of a psychological overlay and there's, you know, a conscious uh, restriction and, and, you know, then that is, yeah, that's more, going to take more time to unravel yeah. because in that case, Although there is the option of the so-called quick fix, 
you know it's like just yeah just stop exercising eating a hell of a lot but if you haven't addressed what the underlying reason for that for that type of behavior was in the first place then guess what it's not going to work out uh, you know it's, then the it's not going to end well so you know it's always something that you want to give the person all the tools and the understanding to really uh because after all it's the person themselves that got to make the changes because you know you and i we give the advice but we're not gonna we're not uh, you know police women we're not going to go around there and check what they're doing it's something we're giving them the the uh, the advice the plan the support to put into practice what we think is going to help them so that's really the key thing yeah do you find often that you're having to recommend people do cut back on their training to help that process in some cases yes so we've talked about the nutrition itself of course is crucial especially the timing mm. um, and especially the complex carbohydrate because even if you tot up all the calories and even if it's sufficient on paper yeah. If it's number one, not well consistently spaced, and also if it's very, very low in complex carbs, then actually, so yes, there is the, the nutrition side of it, but after all, we're talking about low energy availability and the calculation of what your energy availability is, is determined on, of course, how much you're eating, but also how much you're expending yeah. through exercise. So whatever bit of that equation it's like a you know it's both bits of it the push and the pull so yes of course how much you're eating and the timing and the composition yes yes but also what are you doing you yeah. see so if you are doing double day sessions and they're really intense and you're not having any rest day and you're not having any uh, periodization of your training you know it's flat out all the time then you know then we have to talk about that and i find and be interesting to see if you agree that it's especially the intensity of the exercise so um because after all that's of course the higher energy demand and higher end demand of the carbohydrate yeah. so you know in terms of like uh running triathlon it's you know it's the track sessions although those are the ones which give you those really uh you know performance edge but on the other hand they won't if you haven't got the hormones and the nutrition on board, you won't get those adaptations anyway. And actually just as a massive energy drain. So yes, I would definitely talk about the, the volume of the training, but also the intensity. So i.e., the training load, the volume no, times no, intensity. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's often that bit. I, I agree with you that, you know, I have to talk about, uh, but I think trying to find the compromise because I know, and probably you, you found you, you're smiling and nodding in agreement that, you know, and I know myself, um, you know, I love my exercise, especially my ballet. And, you know, it was hell for me when I couldn't do ballet for four months after I had uh, ACL cruciate repair and then I had two hip replacements. So for those four months when I physically couldn't do it, it was it was really, really, uh, you know, uh, yeah, what can I say? Stinking out my ears, all the rest of it. So we totally understand. So if, if at all possible, I would very rarely, in fact, I can't remember when I, last said this uh, i would very rarely say to somebody no don't do any exercise at all unless the person needs hospitalization if they've got a right a bit you know full-blown eating disorder then of course that's something different but someone i try to negotiate probably the right word but try to discuss and go back and forth and trying to see what it what um how we can modify it so it's it's the training intensity yeah, no, uh, bringing it down. That's the key thing. Do you agree? 
No, for sure. I think I've done the same thing with with nutrition because it might be they're here and we want to get them up here, but yes. that's such a massive step. Yes, you've got to do those little baby steps, and it might be like if they're used to not they're not having anything, it might be like hey, half of a bar. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. that might that might only be covering like five percent of their energy expenditure, but it's like it's getting over that. Often, I, in my experience, there's a big fear of gaining weight. Yes, um, yes, and especially gaining weight um, from and so the I, I talk about it often being like this um eating's cheating almost culture in cycling particularly when so uh, yeah you start incrementing like incrementally increasing those amounts then it helps to alleviate those fears a little bit but also they start to then see the performance benefits yeah, how I mean, they feel better I mean that's yeah, what I found yeah. when I'm you know uh, uh, dancers athletes do start to do this. Uh, you know, as you say, just incrementally increase the intake and, and maybe just down, calm down the intensity. Um, the first thing, I don't have to do blood tests. The first thing I notice is a smile on their face. Yeah. It's like, literally, it's like, you're feeling better, aren't you? And they yeah. say, yes, I am. How did you know? It's because you're <laughs> smiling. You're happy. Last time you looked miserable. And uh, so that, uh, so exactly having, getting that uh, feedback, that reinforcement that, oh, actually, this is. Uh, doing the right thing um, and same for the exercise sort of taking it down but I always say listen it might be we'll see how it goes in three months if things aren't going the way we want then yes we might have to revisit it so it's a flexible it's a flexible approach but as you say doing it's sort of the incremental nutrition and the incremental decrease of the exercise and hopefully we all meet get them to meet at the, at the sweet spot won't we so that's it. it's, a, it's an art and a science because it's not yes. like one size thing fits all and it's like on paper, is like because on paper you'd be like, yeah, in theory, on paper you should be meeting your requirements, but obviously it's not enough because X, Y, Z, and so it's exactly. like, well, we're just try like add a bit more, add a bit more, and then find out what's ideal for you. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that in that thing about um, an, an art, there was a quote the other day I came across um, uh, from a, a physician. Uh, Osler of Osler's notes anyway um, and he exactly said something I can't remember the exact quote but it was along those lines that yeah. that that medicine has got an element of of art in it it's not just on the formula or the blood tests or that it's, it's for the person for the individual and just sort of the clinical experience that yeah. you know you you have right that okay this is gonna this looks like this right for a person and everyone is individual because we can't know exactly every single individual will be slightly different body composition and it's not feasible or possible to do a DEXA on every single person to find out their body composition and you know what I mean it's not possible no. so we have to go with what information we we have yeah absolutely and so going back to uh the female athletes and women that are missing their periods so I do see that often that it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not like a sort of a mindset that it's not a big deal. It's not a problem. Oh, I'll worry about that when I'm older and I get osteoporosis when I'm 50. But it is an issue and I see that becoming a problem for training um, and health at a very young age in some female athletes. So from your perspective, why is it not great if women are missing their periods? Well, just going back to the initial point that we were talking about that you know it's normal physiology having menstrual cycles is normal physiology yes I, I accept that the menstruation the period bit can be a, a nuisance but actually we're talking about what's happening to your hormones during that time 
uh, and I'm sure everyone's heard of estrogen, progesterone, the main female hormones. And, uh, you know, those are absolutely crucial for health, bone health, but not bone health, by the way, 20 years on, your bone health right now, today, now, is uh, all the time determined by uh, especially the estrogen levels, but also there are lots of other sort of health benefits, if I can put it that way, from these female hormones. There's the, so the bone, also soft tissue, much uh, you're more like you're less likely should I say to have be injured soft tissue injuries as well not just both the bone stress injuries also tendon and uh, muscle uh, issues tears less likely if you have regular cycles mm -hmm. uh, and also very these hormones are really really important for cardiovascular health okay. and we can see that because uh, if you do a blood test on someone who doesn't have any periods her cholesterol profile actually won't look very good which is why I tend not to do it because actually um, then the person misinterprets that and thinks they're eating too much fat when actually the problem is they're not eating enough of anything. Anyway, so it's also really important to cardiovascular health, lipid profile, the reactivity of your blood vessels. Uh, it's also important for neu neurological function. Um, if you don't have periods, there was a lovely study by Anna Mellon from Denmark showing that you have less, your balance isn't so good. Very important, balance, very important, any sport, right? Okay, so it's not good if you're gonna fall off your bike. Um, uh, and certainly for gymnasts falling off a beam, not to be recommended. Anyway, and um, uh, so it's really important for that. And guess what? Also your mood, yeah. right? Because estrogen <laughs> is, is important for serotonin, the feel good hormone in your brain. Uh, so it's good, it's very important for mood and cognitive function. So listen, um, I mean, that's just a snapshot of a couple of things that well, female hormones are good for your health, literally. Yeah. But your health, not in 20 years time, right now, today, you want those hormones, okay? So you want that to, to be healthy and also to perform because we said that you need those hormones to drive those adaptive uh, processes that you do when you train. You get, you get fitter when you're asleep, right? And when you're asleep, all your, lots of your hormones are doing their business. Uh, but if, they haven't, if they've been shut down, because you're not fueling sufficiently, then you're not going to get the adaptive, uh, the advantage of those adaptive effects from your training. So, so it is definitely something you should be really happy every time you get a period. Um, right now, today, not in 20 years time, it's really important right now. And also I know there's that culture or the, the, the perception that, oh, well, you know, I know so-and-so, my teammates, uh, whatever, they're not having periods, so this must be must be normal, but I would say that just because something is uh, prevalent doesn't mean it's normal. Mm -hmm. There's the increased risk of, um, I'm sadly, the other end of the spectrum of obesity, okay? And type two diabetes is it's increasing rapidly, but we don't just suddenly turn around as doctors and say, oh, well, because it's going up, it nas we're not going to pronounce that as being normal. So <laughs> you see what I mean? That's, it doesn't make any sense. So, and I know it's difficult because often there is a lot of misinformation out there. Mm. And even, sadly, healthcare professionals, a few, are even saying, oh, well, you're an athlete, you're a dancer, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. But, uh, oh, well, you don't want to come pregnant, that doesn't matter, you know, doesn't matter. But I'm afraid to say, just to put the record straight, that your female hormones, there's a lot more to them than just becoming pregnant, thank you very much, uh, reproduction, okay? There's a lot more to them. Uh, a lot of uh, good aspects of them. So um, yeah, 
just to set the reticles straight. <laughs> They're very important. Yeah, for sure. That's super interesting what you're saying about the cholesterol levels being high in that situation, because sometimes I do see both men and women um, who uh, they consider that I would consider them or I would um, evaluate them as being in a energy, low energy state. However, they're either a normal body weight or no, or maybe slightly a little bit extra body fat. And so they then perceive themselves, oh, I can't be because I've got body fat on me. Mm. Well, that's a, that's, we should also clear up that. This is turning out to be a myth busting thing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we should also just clarify that. The, and I will repeat it slowly. Um, that you can be in energy deficit, yet your body weight is constant, steady. You're not losing weight. So you might think, hmm, second law of thermodynamics or whatever, that just sounds a bit weird. How can I be in negative, you know, being overdrawn, as it were, in energy terms, and yet I'm not losing weight? Because the body is not stupid. Because the body realizes very quickly that you are in energy deficit, so desperately it looks around and you might indeed lose some weight initially, but then the body will take stock and will look to uh, go into eco mode, all right? Energy saving mode. Just as when you see that warning on your mobile phone, it says low power, you know that, and you have to switch off non-essential apps and all that thing. Um, that's exactly what the body does. So it will down-regulate metabolic rate. So the rate at which you use up energy. So you don't lose weight anymore, but you're right. Then the person perceives, it's like, well, I can't understand that. I'm restricting what I'm eating and I'm not losing weight. And so they think, oh, well, that must be because I'm not trying hard enough. I need to restrict even more. Mm -hmm. Guess what? You're pushing back against the body. The body says, oh, what's this going on? Downregulates even more. It becomes a vicious circle. And so everything gets downregulated apart from the stress hormone cortisol. Mm -hmm. Because obviously your body's in a stress state. And guess what cortisol does? It favors the deposition of fat. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, not only you're not losing weight uh, as you wanted to, uh, your weight is steady, but now also, funnily enough, things have become tighter, literally. Like, you know, it's like, how can that be? And uh, it's because the body uh, is, as I say, the body is just following evolution. You can't blame the body. It's doing what it was programmed to do and keep you alive. Because mm -hmm. back in, you know, uh, when we didn't know when the, literally we didn't know when our next meal was coming from and you know, when are we going to get the next kill as hunter gatherers or whatever, then your body would store fats. Fats, uh, you know, is a very um, energy dense, isn't it, uh, form of tissue. So that's, that explains that. So you can be, you can have low energy availability and your weight can be steady and you can actually have a high percentage body fat. And this has been shown in a study quite an old one now, but it's showed that, that the person that it was actually gymnasts that weren't fueling consistently during the day. Surprisingly, they had actually a really high percentage of body fat. Strange. Well, no, and I, I see this especially, um, I've noticed it more perhaps in the, in the men because I've worked with quite a lot of male, male athletes and it's interesting talking with them now, like a year or two later after they've started fueling more and eating more carbohydrates and them talking about, they're like, I'm eating so much more carbs than normal and I'm the leanest I've ever been. And yes, exactly. So it's this ironic thing that actually you need to eat more to lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, especially, and especially complex carbohydrate, because that will reboot the metabolic 
the met uh, metabolic rate, your thyroid axis. So yeah, again, it's counterintuitive, um, but if we talk, we just talked it through now, and now hopefully that makes more sense. So next time, if someone is seeing you or me and we're telling them eat more carbohydrate to lose weight, they don't look at us like we're totally mad. Yeah, I find it, it, it is something that it takes a while to convince people to make those changes. And it's it's not an overnight process and it can take. No, exactly. And it is scary. And also if there is this psychological overlay and, you know, you have to I just asked the person straight up. I, maybe you do that. You know, are you scared about are you scared that this will you're going to put on weight? And then I have to reassure them that honestly, you might put on a little bit of weight as the body recalibrates. Um, and also, by the way, uh, muscle is more dense than fat. So it could be actually, and also if you're replenishing your glycogen stores, which will have run dry, literally, uh, I, I, you probably know the figures better than me, but I can't remember them off the top of my head, but for oh, every gram of, uh, for every gram of uh, glycogen, you need the X amount of water. Well, so every gram of glycogen will have made around three or four grams of water. There you go. So, so that's the other thing, actually, if, if, you did put on a little bit of weight, a lot of that will be water, right? So it will, and it will stable off, it's level off because after all the body, I think you have to kind of, it's difficult. You have to trust your body, right? Uh, and that, you know, millions of elite years of evolution, the body does self-regulate, uh, but obviously you need to give it a chance to find where that, that spot is, where it is uh, in balance again. Um, yeah, definitely, for sure. No, and so like we were talking a bit before about um, before we sort of started recording about the low energy availability in men and the challenge being that there isn't an immediate red flag. Oh, something's wrong here. Yes, that's exactly. So, yeah, we were saying that I think that the reason it's, uh, you know, the female athlete triad that's been around for uh, several years, first described back in the 1980s in uh, collegiate female runners, uh, Barbara Drinkwater study, but you know, for women, if if you're if you haven't got sufficient energy in the system uh, and your hormones aren't happy, as you say, the red flag periods will sort of peter out, become very irregular, maybe even stop entirely. So I think for that reason, that the focus has been <laughs> unusually in medicine more on 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 the female aspect of this. But then obviously it, it became obvious that this is not exclusive to women. Mm. Uh, and Chris Boardman, who, um, I mean, I think he won many Olympic medals, but he described very eloquently in his book how when he transferred being a track cyclist where you have to overcome aerodynamic drag to being a road cyclist where you have now have to overcome gravity to go up Mont Ventoux, et cetera, and all the mountains there in Girona, um, then, uh, you know, he intentionally did restrict what he was eating and he had to retire in his early 30s with osteoporosis. Mm. I mean, back then it wasn't recognized. It's like, you know, wasn't given a name, but it's for this reason that now since uh, 2014, uh, wasn't it that the IOC made the consensus statement saying now we're going to incorporate the female triad uh, in uh, this overarching syndrome called REDS, Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport, which number one includes men. Mm. And secondly, also says, uh, recognizes that this isn't just a problem, low energy availability isn't just a problem for your bone health, but it's for all of your body, especially the hormones, by the way. Yeah. So, um, so that's great that we, you know, we've got this uh, inclusive in terms of all the body systems and in, in terms of men and women. And also, although it is red, 
relative efficiency in sport. Um, again, it's not uh, just, this is not just confined to uh, elite athletes, I think you'd agree. I mean, you and I, we see lots of, uh, you know, competitive or sometimes even recreational uh, exercisers who um, have just, just pushed, the, pushed it to a bit too extreme. And of course, I see a lot of dancers as well. So don't be uh, put off. I mean, how can I put that? Um, I have, sometimes I have people come to see me and they almost apologize. They say, oh, I'm not an athlete. Oh, yeah. I'm not a dancer. And then when you say, but then it transpires that, that I say, yes, you might not label yourself as such, but your training amount is as much as any Olympic person. And also you're not, but more to the point, you're not fueling like they would do. That's a hundred percent. Like, I mean, I know, obviously being based in Jordan, I know a lot of pro athletes. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, they're, they're, and, and, and you easily compare yourself to them. Be like, oh, I'm only doing 15 hours of cycling a week. And then you talk to them and they're, like, they're normally like 25, 30. And they're like, you're doing 15 hours a week for fun. And they're like, that's loads. Um, exactly, exactly. It's all that? relative. And also the elite athletes, hopefully lots of them do have good support in yeah. terms of, uh, you know, um, nutritionists, uh, physiotherapists, medical, all the rest of it. But if you're sort of going it solo or, or even if you have got a, a coach, um, then, you know, uh, the amateur can, as you say, uh, well, when I say misinformation, that's probably not exactly correct. But, you know, you see your idol on the TV, mm. right? Um, and you think, oh, I'm sure I could do that or I want to be like that. Um, but you don't know all the background that what's what's gone in to achieve that level you see a lot of the pro athletes like maybe it might be to lose one kilo that might be four months of very intense yes exactly careful 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 yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so um no 100 so like talking about the male athletes um just again so uh what, one of the things i've observed is that when guys are cutting back on their carbs a lot with endurance training that often results in a drop in the testosterone sort of levels quite mm -hmm. quickly um is there like is it is it literally mostly just focusing on getting the fueling back up better to improve that or to sort of normalize that yes well it's just it's it's the same principles as with women only we're talking about testosterone rather than estrogen yeah okay um but i definitely see that a lot in my male cycling study um they did, uh, when was that, two years ago, um, 50 male cyclists, uh, good level, uh, race category, BC race points, two and above. And I did have a few, uh, uh, you know, UCI in there as well. Anyway, um, so yes, it's the same principles as with the women, like we just discussed. So it's like, let's look in detail at your nutritional intake. Are you fueling around the training, especially cycling? Because you're, if you're out on your bike for four hours, you got to remember, you got to be fueling as you go along on the bike and the refueling afterwards, of course. Um, but also then, you know, the same thing like we were talking about before, the intensity of the training, how much training are you doing? Is this all at, uh, you know, like quite high intensity? Mm -hmm. So just looking at the balance of the, 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 you know, of those factors. And also, of course, the psychology, like we discussed, is the, you know, especially for cyclists, they're doing this in the belief that being, you know, power to weight ratio and all that in the belief that they will become stronger but there's a tipping point as i found out from the study that you know actually um you know losing weight is not suddenly going to give you this massive winning advantage you you hope for in yeah. fact it backfires again and they actually underperformed relative 
um, to the others that were fueling more consistently in terms of the, uh, you know, the BC race points they won. Um, yeah, no, so, I, see, I see that. The, 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 lightest, the lightest weight you can be doesn't mean it's the best weight and and what like the race weight of another athlete might be too high or too low for you you can't look at what another person is doing yeah absolutely because everyone is and this is also what we find in the dance world you know having this um not everywhere i have to say in some places it's had improved but in certain sort of very very old school it's like all dancers have to be x weight and that just like well how can that be right because everyone is different what about the different height different body composition, different, all sorts of things. So yeah, exactly. So it's this thing about, you know, just be, you have to be quite strong. You have to know that what's right for you. How do you feel? No one can tell you uh, how you're feeling, right? Uh, and where, the, where the, the truth lies of how your body is feeling is actually, guess what? In your hormones and your blood tests, right? So don't compare yourself just on oh, the, the, you know, that happens to be the gravity measurement on the scales. What's that got to do with anything? Not really relevant, is it? Mm-hmm. So, so I think, you know, just being strong like that or, or just, I don't want to say strong. Can you think of a better way of expressing it? It's like mental strength and mental resilience to be like, to sort of put those blinkers up and not get distracted or just not yes. behind what other people are doing. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That, that's, what, that's what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you have any other final words of wisdom before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think, I think we've pretty much covered it, haven't we? We've sort of made the point that this is, you know, getting into low energy availability. It can be an unintentional thing, okay? If you're doing long cycle rides up in Girona, right? It could just be you haven't and you forgot the banana fell out or I don't know, whatever. So, you know, <laughs> everyone makes mistakes. And so try not to get too anxious about getting it perfect. But on the other hand, if you are, you know, consciously intentionally restricting and consciously really pushing up the intensity you know just take uh it's time to take stock and just reevaluate is this actually right for you especially if you're not if you're feeling tired if you're just not feeling not feeling great then actually it looks like something isn't quite right and certainly the blood test will tell that story so that's the thing and also men and women it can affect equally Mm. um uh, and so, yeah, don't be, you know, yeah, being honest with yourself, I suppose, however you say, like blinkered looking at, look, you know, being, yeah, uh, evaluating everything, what's right for you, how you're feeling, maybe you haven't quite got the, the things, the, the best balance, the optimal balance. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Wow, that's gone quickly, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Awesome. So thank you very much for listening in, everybody. And until next time, I'm Gemma Sampson and make sure that you fuel your training.